0: So just to let you know what's coming up in, in the next, this term, uh, we are going to be preaching through this series of, of Philippians called uh, Living in Joy, Learning from Philippians. I am, I am very, very excited about this because it is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. If you, look, if you go through my Bible, you'll see the book that is written in most of all and scribbled on and underlined is the book of Philippians. It's just, I really, really love it. It's full of joy and it's just telling us how to think differently. It's a really amazing book. Uh, What we're then going to do is, during November, we're going to do a little mini-series on Jesus and the cost of money and the cost of living, and we're going to be looking about what the Bible says about money. It's a uh, four-week mini-series on there that I think is just going to be really helpful to underline some of the principles about how we use our money. And then in January, we're planning uh, slightly ahead. We're going to do a series, Hearing and Following God, When Things Are Complicated and Messy learning from the life of Samuel. So it's going to be a really interesting, and we're going to do that probably from January, I think it's through till um, uh, April. Um, So we're just really looking forward to what God's got for us. Uh, Just to let you know also uh, Tim Dieppe and also uh, Jonathan Killen, who's up in the Hatfield congregation there. Sort of like taking a bit more responsibility for some of our uh, preaching and planning ahead. That's why we're planning ahead. You can tell it's planned ahead a little bit more. But it's really, really helpful. So that is where we're going at the moment. We're really grateful for that. Uh, we're going to read. Um, does anybody like reading? This is where everybody says, no, I don't want to. Yeah, thank you very much. Somebody, yeah, somebody. Uh, when you say, if you like reading, just put your hand up really quickly. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so we've got some people over there. They're going to do some reading. Can I just ask... Um, we're going to read it also in a different language, but we're going to do it by democratically voting what the other language is, okay. So if you speak another language, can you put your hand up, please? Okay, right, okay. So w- no, no, keep your hand up, okay, uh, f- uh, w- just trying to work out what is the most f- other spoken language. Michelle, what other language do you speak? Oh, sign, yeah, sign language, <laughs> yeah. Ah, very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we like that one. Yeah, very good. OK. Um, what language haven't we heard spoken in here for quite a long time? Have we got a Nigerian language? Who, who speaks a Nigerian language? Put your hand up if you speak a Nigerian language. Yeah, OK, Addy. What, what, what Nigerian uh, language do you speak? Yoruba. OK, we're going to do it in Yoruba as well. OK. So can you find uh, Philippians 1? Yeah, no, you put your hand up. You've got to do it, my <laughs> OK, so we're going <laughs> to, whether you like it or not. OK, so Philippians 1 1 to 11. And we're going to and you have to come down to the front. I'm afraid. And, and um, uh, we're going to do it in in Europa. But before we do that, how many Yoruba speakers are there in the room? Only Kenny. Yeah, oh, yeah I was on. Yeah. Okay. There's a few other people. Pete. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, so before we speak, uh, before we uh, read Philippians one one to eleven, why study the book of Philippians? Well, Dom gave us a really helpful uh, little introduction. But really, it's, it's a book that just teaches us how to think differently. And it's a book that teaches us how to think like Jesus and how to think about all these different situations that we're going, that we're facing. Here's a quote from a guy called N.T. Wright. And he says, there is a great deal in this letter about a whole new way to think, to think wisely, to think discerningly, discerningly, to think about God, about Jesus and about yourself. Have you ever been in a heated discussion with something that you believe passionately about, and you're you two of you having like this really different opinion, and at the end of your heated discussion, you say, do you know what? I think you're right, and I'm wrong. Put your hands up if you've ever heard that discussion. Well done, Noetta. <laughs> Very rarely does that happen. Very rarely do you suddenly, like you have this really strong opinion and somebody else is the opposite. You have an argument about it. You, you throw sort of like facts and figures and data at each other. And at the end you think, yeah, to be honest, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll change my life around. It doesn't happen very often. But I tell you how people's minds are often changed. It's when you're immersed with some people that think very differently and live very differently. And that is how people will often change. Because they—they—they they, they not only do they think something differently, but they live differently, and they behave. And then you think, well, if they live that, di- I want to know what it is about them, why they think and live differently. I was always, as you know, very disappointed when my neighbour years ago, who was a big labour um, sort of like supporter, and he would go to all these meetings. But he never once told me. He never once tried to convince me to vote Labor. He never knew how I voted, and I'm not going to tell you how I did. But he never made the attempt. But I think there was something about he didn't actually live it out. It just was an idea. But I, actually, Philippians is a really good book to say, look, think differently, and this is how you live it out as well. And this is how you will see people's lives uh, changed around you. Um, And also, the other reason why to study the book of Philippians is, if you can go to the next slide, uh, that when they do the Alpha Course, so when the Alpha Course, which has been such an amazing resource, that when people finish the Alpha Course, they often do this book. Oh, it it comes up. doesn't matter, Ken. Uh, It's a book called A Life Worth Living, and it's all about the book of Philippians. Because it's a really good book just to show new Christians how to live your life for Jesus. So, are we, are we, is it stuck, Ken? Okay, yeah, don't worry. Otherwise, we'll have NT night the, NT right the whole time. Uh, does anyone know where um, Philippi is? Yeah, well, where's Macedonia? Greece. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else want to, Pete, you think you know? Well, no, it's Greece. We've already determined that. It's, it's in Greece. Yeah, but it is, it's right next to Turkey on the, on, the, so on the coast. So it's all around that region, Greece. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, so I put a little highlighter on Philippi. So when you said Greece, Pete, it's around there, um, but it's actually Macedonia. But it's one of the areas where Paul would have traveled from Antioch all around there, and he'd done all his uh, missionary journeys. So that's where it is. Does anybody know who the first convert in Philippi was? Yeah. Who said that? Very good. Lydia because your sister's called Lydia, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and uh, what did Lydia do? Not apart from Becca. She was in the rag trade. She, sold, she dealt with material and all that sort of stuff, and she made school uniforms and that sort of thing. Um, she, uh, sorry, what was her? Oh, somebody, else, okay. So she, that's what she did. She sold material, and, um, and there were loads of women in the church in Philippi who were very influential. Just putting it out there, that's what the way it, it was. There were lots of women in there. Um, can anybody tell me what happened to Paul and Silas in Philippi? Uh, they got arrested. What did they get arrested for? This is a general, not. This this, I'm supposed to be preaching, but I, <laughs> just general knowledge this morning for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Bible trivia. They got arrested for? A slave girl was like fortune-telling, fortune-telling and then Paul and Silas came up and they drove a demonic spirit out of her and then they got in prison. And what happened to Paul and Silas when they were in prison? Somebody apart from Manuela, who's done a degree in theology. Anybody else? (laughs) What happened? Who said that? Because you are right. Well, just please. Yeah, so Paul and Silas, sorry. Okay, Paul and Silas were in prison and they were miraculously released from prison because an angel opened the door and then what happened to the jailer? He gave his life to Jesus as well. So there you have somebody who lived their life by a certain set of value. Paul and Silas, they lived, that they understood how to think like Jesus and they lived a certain way and guess what happened? Somebody, a hardened, grizzled, old prison warden gave his life to Jesus because he saw the way that they lived. Paul and Paul had a a genuine affection and love for this church in Philippi, the first church that he planted. He loved this church, and they worked together an awful lot. It was a, by and large, it was a very, very healthy church. But there were some people in there having some arguments, just so you know. Like any sort of like healthy church, when you put lots of people in there, it it was a healthy church, but there were some people, and Paul liked to say, look, please, would you just get on with each other? Would you stop sort of like, you know, talking to each other like that, but actually get on with each other. But but primarily what he was saying was this, that if you want to grow as a Christian, and if you want to grow in your Christian maturity, it's not about some mystical insight that's in the hands of a few. It's not about listening to one person on YouTube. It's not about one person on a podcast that seems to have all the ideas. The answer to growing in Christian maturity is this, learn to love people learn to serve them, and do it humbly. That. And you can't really do that quickly, can you? That's not like a really quick one answer. Oh, well, yeah, I can do that really. I can just love them this afternoon and move on. No, but actually it's about loving people, serving people, and doing it very humbly. And then Paul says this. You can copy me, learn how I've done it. You can copy Timothy, or also, probably better still, you can copy Jesus. Now... I did this thing in, uh, in Philippians. I went through, and I, I don't know what you've got on this afternoon, but why don't you give it a go? Find a paper Bible, and get a pen or a highlighter if you like doing that, and highlight every time in the book of Philippians, it will only take you, you know, maybe half an hour to read it, where Paul puts Jesus at the center of everything. Just do it and see what happens. And you'll find that virtually the whole of the book you're highlighting. Because he just says, no, Jesus at the center. I'm, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus is at the center of So what I did was, these are the verses that we're going to read in a moment in English and in Yoruba. And just as an example for chapter one, these are the books where, where Paul says it's all about Jesus. He says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm, we are all saints in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from our, from our God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And then verse 8, I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It's a slightly repetitive theme that is going on here. He's just talking about Jesus and living his life for Jesus. So that's something that you can uh, do uh, this afternoon. Right, have we got some microphones? Should we read these verses? Right, Ada, can Ada, can you come down? And would anyone like to read it in English? Uh, John, you said you'd like to read it in English. Have we got a lady that would like to read it? Gemma, did you, say, did you put your hand up? Did you put your hand up? You, well, don't say it like that, as if I bullied you into doing it. I didn't. I just said put your hand up. Okay. <laughs> Okay, there you go. And, right. um, so, and then after that is read, could you read it, John? Can you read it in the NLT? And then, Gemma, can you read the ESV after that? Okay, off we go. In Yoruba. Yeah, Yoruba. So, Yoruba is a language spoken in um,
1: Nigeria, some other Western African countries, and also, say, Brazil and the Caribbean. Sorry. So, um, caveat, I haven't read your for 14 years, so okay. Well, sure. <laughs> the thing is, if you get it wrong, if you get it <laughs> well, you wrong, know, but I have some police in the box. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, to Paulo at the Timothy, I went in Russia, Jesus Christy. Sig book one way in the Yamimon in the Christy, Jesus Tio one in the Philippi, Bello and Walla ati at Tia Wajaconi, Orio first thing at Alasia Latio Dolor and Ruba Power at Tio Jesus Christy, Mondo Bello or Laroni gugbuyi gba ti mo ba ran ti yin ninu gugu atira mi lati ojo no lati ojo kini wa titi disisi yi ohun yi dami loju pe ti o ba yo titi di ojo noti Jesus yo de ggagbi o lati ro a unique by Boboye, Nito written more fingers or come. Been motil when you know it Rere, a back when you or Bellumi. near eleven <laughs> Be ki ifanyi lemao posiwa ju ati siwa ju si ni ife ati imo itinle. Ki anyi ki o le ni oye omuti o darajlo. Ki o si jasi o dodo ati alaje o mwikose. Teti diyo o ojo diye Jesu Christi. Oh ojo diye Jesu Christi. Sorry I've taken the wrong Lenny Le <laughs> yeah, i right.
0: <laughs> um, just say, um, I think some of your pronunciation was a little bit off on one of those words or two. <laughs> but if you, if you wondered about it, then you, you need to get ready for heaven. Heaven will be full of all these languages that we'll celebrate and we'll delight in. That's what it will be like. John. Okay.
2: This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Jesus Christ, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen.
3: Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you all three of you for, for reading. It's really helpful. Can I give you that? Thank you. Uh, Paul is just assuming when he writes this letter that the people that he's writing to want to hear well done from Jesus at the end of time. He's assuming that. And he's assuming that, I don't know, with, with many things that press in, to the people in Philippi that they want to choose to live for Jesus. Now, I would say that there are lots of things that press into our lives right now. So even during, like, during worship, I'm having to think, no, stop thinking about that, Duncan. But there are so many things that are immediate, and visible, and concrete, and pressing, and slightly addictive, and phones that keep pinging, and, and all these things that keep pressing in on us. And What Paul is saying is this, look, like, let's choose to live for something that is really worthwhile. Let's discipline ourselves to say, no, we're going to live for this that will last forever. And if you want to do that, if you want to, like, choose to orientate your life, to live for Jesus, there are some things that are just really helpful for you to understand and a foundation for your life. And the first thing is this, and this is the first point, is this. That no matter how much you think your Christian life is all about you, and no matter how much you think it's all about your effort and how well you behave, and how often you come to church, and how nice you are to people, and whatever you do, you have to sing from the rooftops this glorious, unchanging, extraordinary truth, that this, and I am sure of this, says Paul, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. He started it. It's not actually about you. And you're thinking, oh, I've got to make this effort. No, he started it. God is at work in your life. It's his initiative. It's he that started it. And and Paul is just saying, no, please don't get drawn into this whole thing of just about the way you believe, about what you do. But no, he drew you to himself. You're a Christian today if you've given your life to him because the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to draw this person to myself. It was his work. He started it. And you may think, oh, I'm a rubbish Christian. And I'm everybody else does it so much better than me. But you just need to know this, that it was God that started that work in your life. It was him. Are you going through a difficult time at the moment? Well, he's with you. He's for you. He won't let you go. God is for you and has got a plan for your life. With you. It was his initiative. It's the foundation of growing as a Christian to know that it was God who started the work, that actually, that you can trust him, that you can trust him. Years ago, my mum got dementia. My mum was an amazing woman of faith. You know, She was a really great woman of faith. I think she led many people to the Lord, but in her latter years she got dementia and she went completely doolally. And in the end, she was like a, you know, it was sad, but she was like a three year old baby, you know? She didn't really know what was going on at all. And I thought, I just clung on to this verse because she didn't really know what was going on at all. But I just said, Jesus, you started that work in my mum and you are gonna see it through to completion. And you might be going through a difficult time at the moment and you might be thinking I'm not even sure why I'm sitting here this morning. But you just need to know (laughs) that God chose you and God has got a plan for your life and it's his initiative and all we are doing is responding to the love of God. Our more spiritual growth is rooted in what God has done, what he is doing and what he will do. And he will never ever, ever, ever let you go. He's not saying that out of some controlling, manipulative way. But he's just saying this, I love you with an everlasting love. I even sent my son to die that you might have freedom. He's like, the initiative was with him. okay, And we're simply responding to God's great love towards us. There's a There's a really interesting bit in in the beginning of Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul talks about the obedience of faith. And the difference is that Actually, the obedience of faith is this, that we know what God has done and we said, we know what God has done and we know what he's doing, therefore I'm going to build my life around that, all what God has said. But the the obedience of the law is saying, well, God, you told me not to do that, therefore I won't do it. Or you told me to do this, therefore I will do it. And that's, that's obedience of the law. Obedience of faith comes from this. What God has said will happen, will happen, and therefore I'm going to build my life around it. And sometimes that takes faith, and sometimes that takes decisions. And so if we want to live for the well done of God, we need to know this. God starts the work in your life. If we want to be pure and blameless, we also need to know this. The second point is this, that we're never called to be solo warriors for Jesus. Even the Trinity was like a family. Even the trip, they thought, oh, we, like they want, God wanted to do it together with people. And in the Bible, God very, very rarely does things in isolation. But he does it with a group of people. And he calls the people together. And this is what you can read from Philippians 1, that Paul is just saying, look, I love you guys. Oh, 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 yeah, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me, both in imprisonment and uh, imprisonment and in defence and confirmation of the gospel. There is this tremendous sense of doing this thing together. That's why church is like so important because we're not just going off and doing our own thing you know during the week, but actually we come together and we love doing life together. It's about partnering together and persevering. Paul was put in prison. He was in prison in Rome when he wrote this and it would have been so easy for the church in Philippi to say "Hmm." He he had some good things to say, Paul, but he was a bit of a loose cannon, wasn't he? And he's got a little time in prison and he probably deserves it. You know, because being in prison is a shameful thing now and it's a shameful thing then. And it would have been easy for them to say, do you know what, Paul, thank you so much, but if we align ourselves with you now, we might just be a little bit tainted and for the sake of the gospel, we're just going to be at arm's length. I didn't hear that. They just said, no, we're together in the gospel. This is something that we are doing together. We want to be partners together. It wasn't some formal agreement, but it was just a thing of love. You know, this week we went on holiday to the wonderful Turkey. Thank you very much for having, again, having a nice country. (laughs) It's very cheap, and and the sun shines. But we went on holiday there with a family uh, that we've known for 30 years. And Howard Kellett, who sometimes comes and preaches here, but Howard and Naomi and and some of their children. But there's been like this partnership with them for so many years that you think, oh, I love that. I really love that. I love the fact that we, some of us have known each other for years and years and years and years. I love that. On the fifth, which is Wednesday, we will, um, we will uh, we, that was the, the 20 years since Jill and I moved into Sefton Avenue. Is it Tuesday? Okay, so Lauren's getting married in six years time, and there's an—Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So on Tuesday the 5th, that will be 20 years since we moved in. And, you know, and somebody once said to me, like, staying is the new going. Staying is the new fashion, you know. Because sometimes it, when you're in church, you can move around and think, no, I love the fact we've been here for all this time. I just, I love it. I love the fact that it was on, on Friday the 5th, to the 2003, that we moved in. And it was on Monday the whatever it was, 7th or 8th that, Caroline, you knocked on our door. Because we hadn't got a clue what we were doing. We didn't know where we were. Caroline, we said, oh, hi, my, my name's Caroline. Shall I tell you where to take your kids to school? We thought, oh, yes, please. <laughs> and then we took our, we hadn't got a clue where to take them to school. which, But we love that sense of that. I don't know, doing stuff together, and sometimes you can do things like for a long time, but there is, there's this sense of partnering together in the gospel, and it doesn't actually, sometimes when you have that longevity together with people, it's great and we love it, but there's this sense of, oh, I was praying yesterday for, like, for people in the church, and I think I'm just praying for different people, I think, oh, I love the way that that person does that. I love it. I love the sense that we're partnering together in the gospel. It's a joyful thing. There are two new life groups that have started over the summer and we're going to just keep pushing like life groups. But I'd encourage you just to connect in with different people so that you know people, so that you're known and you're loved, to keep going, to persevere. He even says this, that in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, that not only are we partners together but actually we are co-laborers with God. That we're, it's not quite the same, but there's an extraordinary freedom that comes, because I think a lot of the time when, we're, when we love Jesus and we keep saying to Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And what do you think he says back to us? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And there have been a number of times when I think the Bible says really clearly, look, this is how you need to live your life. You know, this is what's really good to live. But in terms of decisions about what we do and where we go, I think Jesus, look, I'm working with you. This is a partnership. And we say to God, what do you want me to do? submitting everything. And then he comes back and says, well, what do you want to do? Because somehow we're thinking like God would think. So those are the two things that I've got so far. First thing is this, if we want to grow and be pure and blameless when Jesus returns, we need to know this, Jesus started it. Jesus started his work in your life and he will see it through to completion. He will see it through to completion. There might be some bumpy roads on, bumpy roads on the way, but actually he will see it through to completion. The second thing is that there's this sense of partnering together in the gospel. And then the last thing is this, and I just want to bring it together, is that when Paul says this, it is my prayer... That your love may abound more and more, and and there is something about learning to pray for one another and for the church that will bring us to a place where we are presented pure and spotless before Jesus. Eugene Peterson said this, and he was talking about oh yeah, it's great. He's talking about when John wrote the book of Revelation, massively poetic book, amazing book. But this is what what Eugene Peterson wrote about John writing the book of Revelation. St John doesn't miss much. He is an, an alert and alive pastor. He reads and assimilates the scriptures. He reads and feels the impact of the daily news, but neither ancient scripture nor current event is left the way it arrives on his doorstep. It is all turned into prayer. And I just I love that all these things that are coming into life. You think, oh, we just he turned them into prayer, and I want to be like that. Yesterday we were at a naming ceremony for Fella, for Dapo and Shayan's lovely uh, new boy. His name is Fella. That is the Nigerian version of Fella, not the South London or East End version of it. All right, Fella. Um, but we were there, and, I, and, and sometimes, like, I get called to go to some of those things and to, like, to, to pray for baby and to, you know, and I love it. Oh, please don't ever let me stop doing that. But actually, my prime responsibility is not to go there and to be in front of people and to pray, but my prime responsibility is to pray for them when I'm at home. And my prime responsibility is to be bringing that couple and that family before the Lord and praying that God would bless them and that God would keep them and that love would abound in their family. And so just as we draw this little bit to a close, how how do we pray? If we want to grow in faith and grow in maturity as Philippians are saying and grow in joy and growing delighting and actually being a church that is vibrant, how do we learn to pray? Well, I think firstly, find somewhere regular that you can go and pray where you won't look stupid if you start talking, speaking in tongues, or or praying out loud. If you can find that somewhere, go and find that place. And if you can't find that place, I can't remember whose mother it was, it was something like Martin Luther's mum, would sit in the middle middle of the kitchen, surrounded by children, put a tea towel over her face, and then she would pray. Amidst all the carnage, amongst all the children hitting each other, amongst all the children vomiting and shouting and screaming, she'd be sat in the middle with something over her face and she'd be praying. That would be her place. You might find a place where you can go, just for five, start for five minutes and just start praying. And if you want to know what to pray for yourself and other people, start praying what Paul was praying um, in this passage here. Be thankful in verse 3. Verse 5, it says, be joyful that you're working together in partnership. Pray that love would abound. Pray that knowledge and discernment would grow. Pray that they would be pure and blameless. And pray that people would be very fruitful. I do, if you want to pray for anything for me, pray that I would be fruitful. I really, really want to be fruitful. I just, I want to see God's kingdom growing in a way that glorifies him. And then if you're really stuck, you can pray for um, all the the fruits of the spirit from Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So what we're going to do is, we're going to just do that now. So, I know we're going to go interactive at the end, but just for a few moments. What I would really like us to do is is to pray for ourselves and, and to pray for the church. But I would really like it if, like as many people as could be brave enough, is to come up to the front and take a microphone and just pray for one of those things for us as a church, you know? But please don't make them really long prayers because it'll just go on forever and ever and ever. And if I start coughing, that's the symbol to stop (laughs) praying, okay? But we should learn how to pray for one another and just take one of those things and just say, that is what we're gonna pray for us in the life of the church, is that okay? So can I just ask you to stand for a moment because i'm going to say if you're standing you're more likely to come down to the front and, and want to pray okay so I would it would be really great if there could be well, are there six or seven people that would be willing to come down to the front and just uh, and pray I'll start us off six or oh, what please don't make me start pointing to people because that just makes it really, really bad. yeah Tim, thank you so much, yeah, Michelle, thank you okay, so just formal more people just come down if you want to, it doesn't matter if you've never prayed out loud before at all uh Pete, were you? Peter Delhi, were you moving? Pete, come on, you moved at the wrong time, mate. Come on, Pete. you were sweating. And Pete McCaffrey, yeah, another lady, yeah, Becca, well done. Anybody else wants to come down and pray? It's really, it's open. Yeah, brilliant, Lauren, fantastic. Okay. Right, so we're going to pray for us as a church. We're going to do what the Bible says, what Paul says, that we might presented, be presented mature. And pure before Christ. So just pick one of these things. Don't pray really long prayer, but pray one of those things into the life of the church. And if you've got the microphone, you start and then I'll wrap it up at the end.
2: Sure. Is it on now? Ah, oh, I'm now. Right, well, Lord Jesus, we just wanna thank you so much for twenty years this week since
0: you called Duncan and Jill and their family to come to North London and plant a church here. And we thank you for all that you've done over that whole time of 20 years. Thank you for this community that is in a partnership in the gospel, that is reaching out and witnessing. We're just so grateful for all that you've done through us and through Duncan and Jill in setting this up. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your love. And I pray that you would just fill us so much with your love, Lord, that we would share it with each other and that we would share it with the community and with our friends, Lord. Because it says in your word that by the love we have for each other, then others would know that we're your disciples. And we just pray for that, Lord. Amen. Amen.
2: Father, I just want to pray for a a joy that wouldn't be so deep that it can't be evident to the lives of other people that live in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, where we socialise. But it would be a joy that would be abundant both through... Um, times of great, um, uh, of great pleasure and rejoicing also in times of tribulation that joy comes from knowing you and is deep and profound and that we would grow together in this as a church together and as people together as a family together and it would be evident and it would be wonderful and exuberant. Amen. Yes,
1: amen. Okay, nice. Can anyone hear me? Uh, Lord Jesus I just want to thank you for the uh, joy and the Pure uh, joy that Duncan and Jill has brought to us over the last 20 years in Trinity. Uh, I've been coming here for nearly most of those 20 years. Uh, well, actually, just slightly under that. But I just want to thank you for the love and the peace that comes out of Duncan and Jill. And I just want to thank you in the way the church has grown over the years from really uh, coming to uh, Collindale and not knowing what the Lord had, but just following the Lord, uh, just following the call of God and just move in with the Lord as Jesus called Duncan Neil to joy as I've done that move recently and it's just the most uh rewarding and most fruitful thing that could happen so so thank you that Trinity continues to grow from strength to strength amen
3: amen Amen. father we thank you so much lord for the Trinity Church, and we thank you so much for the people here. Thank you so much for Duncan. We pray, Father, that we would just move God and be fruitful, Lord, um, more fruit for God, uh, and that we would we, that the faith that you've put in our hearts, Lord, that will be birthed, um, and we will be able to carry that fruit into our workplace, into where will we go to God? That people will be begin to see that and uh, what we carry. Thank you so much because you're doing it, and you've done it in our lives before, and you're going to do this as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your church and and how you've built this church, Father, as well. And Lord, we just pray for abundance to come out of the lives of the people who are part of this congregation and part of the leadership team, Lord. And just, yeah, we ask for your blessings to flow, Lord, as we step into obedience for what you have for us as a church. Would your blessings come and would we see um, just multiplication of your fruit from this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I just want to thank you for all of the gifts that you've placed on this congregation at Trinity Church, Lord. I want to pray for the servant-hearted. And for all the projects that work in the community that just sow seeds of your faithfulness and your fruitfulness into um, people around us and and near us, Lord. I just want to pray for real blessing over everyone in in the church. I want to pray blessing over everyone that interacts with the church, everyone that's part of the community projects, that actually they act as a real kind of passage to you, Jesus. and, And that, you know that route to your goodness and to your word and to your scripture is really straight and easy. Lord, I just want to pray for real blessing over Trinity Church. I want to thank you for the home that it's been over these 20 years. And I just want to pray for continuation of blessing for Trinity. Amen. Father, we just
0: thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, you, you love to work in your people. And Lord, we thank you for the way that we can we can pray and the way that you've led us to pray and God, I pray that love would abound, Lord, in our midst, and Lord, I pray would you constantly be showing us and teaching us how to love one another, Lord, how to love one another well, Lord, forgive us when we haven't done it as well as we could, but Lord, I pray that we would just know that as you have loved us, Lord, that we can love other people, and in that we pray that knowledge and discernment would grow and grow and grow that we would understand you more and more, that we would understand how you work and what you're doing. And, and Lord, almost at the beginning of this new term, we, we just come to you and say, Lord Jesus, would you lead us? Would you be at the center of everything we pray? We pray, Lord, particularly for all the like, parents and the new parents, Lord. And we just say, Lord, give them wisdom, give them grace. Lord, give them patience. Lord, we pray that you would bless them But we ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall on us as your your church. As we lift your name on high, as every week we we gather together, we choose to lay other things down and just to gather together, we pray, Lord, it'd be a celebration of everything that you're doing. Lord, from Monday to Saturday, that we then come together and think, oh no, this is the joy of being together, of worshipping you, of laying your kingdom come. And we, we say, oh Lord, let, make us fruitful. Lord, make us, fr- I pray for Alpha starting. I pray that there would be many people that would not really know you or not understand you in, Lord, very clearly, but I pray they would come on Alpha and they would just find glorious hope and joy in you, oh Lord. And we say, Lord, pour your blessing out on us pour your blessing out on us as we choose to love you and to worship you, oh Lord Father, we thank you